visitor's card right in front of you there somewhere. If not, there's some on the back table. But fill that out. We'd love to stay in touch with you. Amen? Man. You know, it's almost when a service, a worship service, the part of it is that good. It's like it's hard to stop. You understand that? It's like, man, but I know I got to give the word too. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter one, Isaiah chapter one. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. This is what it's all about, isn't it? In his presence. We need his presence. If his presence isn't in a place, we're wasting our time. Amen. But he's here, ladies and gentlemen. And just like Ashley said, you need a miracle. His presence is here. His glory is here. Tap into it. Amen. Only believe. All right. Isaiah chapter one, verses 16 through 20. Let's look at here. It says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are, like, they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Today I want to share with you a message that literally the Holy Spirit downloaded into my spirit. I'm I'm kidding you not, within five to ten minutes of walking around this sanctuary this week. I I was walking, praying in the spirit, and it just, I I always have my pen and paper. I always have the word in here. And boom, I just started writing down the Holy Spirit gave me points. And I love when he does that, right? I love when that happens because we know it's a fresh right now word. Amen? It either has something to do with what someone here is going through right now, or it's something that is going to happen soon, and our Heavenly Father is trying to equip us. He's trying to prepare us. Amen? So either way, we're in a good place here in the Word of God, Word of God from the Holy Ghost. Amen? The timing of the Holy Spirit is always perfect. I love that. The Holy Spirit, He knew who was going to be here today. You know that, right? The Holy Spirit knows who's going to be listening and watching around the world to this message. So this is tailored just for us and you watching online. Amen? The title of my message today is this, Willing and Obedient. Willing and Obedient. I want to start off by saying this, that willing and obedience is a spiritual law. Say spiritual law. Notice I did not say spiritual laws. It's a spiritual law. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. But remember when I said a spiritual law is a neutral thing. It can be used for good and it can be used for evil, right? So then the key to this spiritual law, willing and obedient, is this. What kingdom are you willing and obedient toward? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of Satan. Amen? But God tells us in in Isaiah 119, He said, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
And that's another way of saying, you know what? You're going to release a blessing in your life. That's what God's really saying. You're going to eat the good of the land. You're going to walk in that blessing. You understand that? All right. Now, your faith in Jesus Christ, like I talked about last week, your faith in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. You understand that? We have been set free not to sin. We've been set free to live righteous and holy for God now. Amen. Amen. Jesus has made us righteous by faith in him. He has made us holy. Amen. And now we as Christians, we are expected to take that position and walk in it. All right. You are holy, by the way. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God said, you are holy. Before you even did your first good work, being a doer of the word, you are holy and you are righteous. Amen? But the word of God does say to be doers of the word. So obviously, God still expects his children to do something. Amen? He still expects us to do something. The word of God calls us or tells us to be doers of the word. He still expects us to obey his word. So obviously our actions matter to God, right? We can't just say we got faith in Christ and go live like the devil all day. You get that, right? Well, if you haven't heard it, you heard it now. Amen. (laughs) The word of God is amazing because our heavenly father, he not only revealed his son, Jesus Christ to us through his word, but I love this. Think about this. He reveals to us how to work spiritual laws in our favor. He revealed in it that the word of God is a revelation of spiritual laws and he shows us how to work those spiritual laws as believers in our favor, okay? Now, here, let me tell you something. Are you ready for this? You want something that blows your mind? When I had a Wiccan come out here and I was talking to a Wiccan out here, someone in witchcraft, he got, and I was witnessing to him about the Lord. And he goes, oh, oh yeah, the Bible. Yeah, we, we use some things from the Bible. Really? You know what he's saying? You, if you look at any of these false religions out here, they do take principles from the word, but they twist them. They use them for evil. This is a book of spiritual laws. And even false religions recognize this is full of spiritual laws. I had a guy in witchcraft tell me. Oh, yeah, we, we, we read parts of the Bible. Oh, but they're leaving out Jesus Christ. You understand? So the word of God is powerful. The devil knows it. Are you hearing me? So, let's jump right into these points the Holy Spirit gave me to share with you today. Willing and obedient. Say, willing and obedient. Remember, if you're going to reap the benefit of this spiritual law in the kingdom of God, both need to be active in your life. Willing and obedient. Now, you ready for this? Let's break it down. Say, break it down. Willing deals with our attitude. And obedience deals with our actions. It's a spiritual law and you need both active for this spiritual law to be, for the blessing to be released. See, here's the deal. It's possible to do something with the wrong heart attitude. Have you found that out yet? 
It's possible to do something with the wrong heart attitude and forfeit the reward. Right? Well, let's just say that. You can come to church with a horrible attitude and forfeit the reward of it. You can be present, but you forfeit the reward because your attitude stinks. Are you following me? Here's an example the Lord gave me as an illustration. Let's talk about a waiter and a waitress. They can take your order. They can deliver your food to the table, and they have a horrible attitude. You ever have a bad waiter or a waitress? Or they can have a wonderful attitude. Man, they're awesome to talk to, but the service stinks. It's horrible. Either one, now follow me, either one of those things being off is a strike against that waiter or or waitress. And guess what? It'll show up in the tip. Are you following this illustration, ladies and gentlemen? It's no different in the kingdom of God. Our Heavenly Father is paying attention to our attitude as a Christian, and He's paying attention to our works. That's why it says, if you're willing with the right attitude and you're obedient to my word, they must go together for the blessing to be released. Now, if you want to release the blessing of that spiritual law, we need to check our attitude sometimes, right? Parents, have you ever had one of your children? Oh, I'm sure not. When you told them to do something, they do it, but man, they're a smart aleck the whole time. How do you think God looks down on us when he tells us to do something? Think about this. He tells us to do something and we are just kicking and screaming all the way. My, my, my. A lot of times our children are just showing a picture of what we look like in the spirit. Think about that. So a positive heart, we need a positive uh, attitude and a heart that's bent, say bent, toward obedience to God. The first point the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you today is this. Be willing to be hated and persecuted for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be willing. Get ready. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Just expect that you're going to have enemies if you decide to follow Jesus. When you decide to be a doer of the word, you're going to have enemies. See, many, many, many people, they come to the altar, they get saved, and then they go. all they heard was some fluffy message, and then they go out, and the first persecution they get, they're like, hey, nobody told me about this. I don't like this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10. I'd rather tell people the truth and be prepared. But you know what the alternative is if you turn your back on Jesus? Hell and the lake of fire for eternity. I'd rather put up with a little persecution, I think. Wouldn't you, Melissa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Mm. Remember, these points came to me. Like, just downloaded in my spirit when I was praying in tongues. So here we go. Jesus said these words, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Just like any other promise in the Word of God, this is a promise. It's going to happen. You better just expect it if you're going to live a righteous life on this evil earth. Amen? Now jump down the road to Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Jesus said, 
Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow, wow, that's interesting, right? Wow, isn't Jesus the Prince of Peace? Not for the world, but for the believer. For I have come to set a man, look at this, this is crazy right here, ready? For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Wow. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. These are some strong words, ladies and gentlemen. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy, worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me, and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus did not come to be, bring peace on this earth, but rather a sword for what? To separate truth from error, to separate those who are truly for him and those that are against him. Jesus, by the way, let me just say this. Jesus is not against our earthly relationships. Are you following me? Don't, don't, don't put words in Jesus' mouth. He's not against earthly relationships with family and loved ones, but this is what he is against. Putting anyone or anything in the priority seat above him. That's where the problem comes in. If a family member is trying to pull you away from Jesus, you never give in to that. Jesus always wins that battle, or he should in your life. Now, Here's a very common example that, man, all the time I've been in ministry, man, here it is, is if one spouse is not saved and another one is, quite often you'll have one of the, the unsaved spouse say, I command you, I forbid you to go to church. You ever heard anyone? You ever talked to anyone that had that situation? Do not go to that. I do not want you going to church. I forbid you. I mean, I mean, this is huge. You are under no obligation by God to obey that. Are you following me? I don't care if they're your husband, your wife, who they are. I don't care if the government tells you don't come into this building. There's a higher law and it's right here, baby. Are you following me? Never, you always put God at the center of your life. You revolve around Him. Amen? Go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. Let's take a look at. Oh yeah, in the, in the past people would say, I really want to go to church, but you know, my husband's not saved and he says I can't go. I'm like, girl, you're not on a leash. Nobody should be controlling what you do with your relationship with God. Amen. Come on. God made you an individual. Amen. You, you, no, no, no. God's at the center of your life. And if that unbelieving spouse, come on, if that unbelieving spouse can't handle it, the Bible says if they, they're free to leave, see ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Are you following me? This is Pastor James telling you this. Hello, somebody. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. 
While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, Jesus's, seeking to speak with him. Then one of them said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But Jesus, he, Jesus, answered and said to the one, uh, to the one who told him, he said this, Who is my mother and who, is, who, who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. Oh, here we go. Sometimes your brothers and sisters in Christ are going to love and support you more than your blood family. We preach it now. That's why it's so important to be connected to a good Bible-believing local church that will surround you, surround around you and love you in those times because you will be hated and persecuted by, oh yes, family members. <laughs> if it hasn't happened yet as a Christian, get ready. When you start to take a stand for Christ, Look out. See, here's the deal. Jesus demands radical commitment to him. In fact, you want to know something? You ready for this? That is entry-level Christianity. That is Christianity 101. That's you walking into college the first day, taking Christianity 101. Welcome, class. Jesus demands radical commitment to him. Are you following me? Because here's the deal. Jesus is either Lord of all of your life or he's not Lord of any part of your life. And here's the key. His will for you and I is to do this willingly and obediently. Have the right attitude and be obedient. No, no, no. Not kicking and screaming. Not sitting in your room crying all day because mom or dad's mad at you for loving Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Believe it or not, think about that. In our natural mind, we're thinking, man, (laughs) this feels like a curse. Jesus says you're blessed. Jesus said you're blessed. You know why? Because it's a sign that you are pushing against this evil world system. That's why you're blessed. It's a sign. So here's, here, how much persecution have you been taken in your life for Christ? See, that's, again, that's why there's seeker-sensitive churches where they won't talk about any of this stuff because they don't want to offend people, right? We've got to get that money in here. Come on, come on, get it the other Right? Forget that. Let the money burn. We're going to follow Jesus radically. Amen? In verse 38, Jesus said, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Man, that's powerful. That's a powerful statement. It means that we have to have a proper focus, spiritual focus in this life right now. It comes down to this. Jesus paid an amazing price. He, he, an amazing sacrifice. The least we can do, the Bible says, is to be a living sacrifice. 
See, Jesus died for us, right? Jesus said the least you can do. Because you're part of my body. He's, he's saying, I'm up in heaven right now. I, I'm, I'm counting on my body. I'm counting on all my disciples to carry on with the work that I started. And if they hated the master, they're going to hate the servant. The next point I want to talk about here that the Holy Spirit gave me was this. Are you ready for this? Oh, put your spiritual seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen. The next point is this. We must be willing. This is the exact wording he gave me. We must be willing to break up or cut off the affair with this world system. Those are the exact words that came into my spirit. Let me say it again. We must be willing and obedient to break up or cut off the affair with this world. You're going to know what I'm talking about in a moment. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Someone might be saying, oh my goodness, I ain't coming back to this church next week. But you know what? Here's the deal. You'll never be able to say when you, on judgment day, you will never say, Pastor James, you never told us this before. You never told, told us about obedience. That it, you know, you never told us. My hands are clean. Amen? Here we go. James 4, 4 through 6. And like I said last week, being, you know, when, when a pastor, you're connect, if you're connected to a church where they're preaching the full word and they're, they're coming against sin and all this stuff, you're in a safe place. You know that, right? You're in a safe place. I don't want to be in a place where they're sugarcoating the message. Just give it to me straight, pastor. Just give it to me straight. So we can know. So I can make the changes in my life and make the Lord happy. Amen? Look at this. James 4, 4 through 6. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealous, jealously. But he gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to notice that God calls uh, Christians that have friendship with the world, adulterers and adulteresses. Notice the point the Holy Spirit gave me. I want you to break up and cut off the affair with this world system. Friendship. What's friendship then, right? We need to know what friendship is. Here we go. Friendship is defined as this, mutual affection. So to have, a, to have a friendship with the world means this. You ready for this? It means that it has a hook in your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Are you following me? The evil world system has taken your heart away from God. It, it, it's... it's emptied out the love of God that was once there. And that crosses the line of idolatry. Say idolatry. What's idolatry then, right? Let's define that. I like defining words lately. Here we go. Idolatry is defined as this. Extreme admiration. Extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone other than God. 
Wow. So we live in this world, right? We live in this world, but we are commanded not to be of the world, the Bible says, right? The Word of God commands us in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7. It says, come out from among them. Well, he's not talking about literally come out. He's not talking about doing a Jim Jones thing and and making a commune somewhere, right? He's saying, take the hook out that the world has in your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Come out from among them. Loose yourself, release that hook, and get out of there and serve the true and living God. That's what he's saying. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost all over this. The word holy means to be dedicated or totally set apart for God's purposes. And you cannot be holy if there's a hook. Just think of a fish when you go fishing, right? You pull this thing up and there's a hook in that fish's mouth. That fish ain't going anywhere because (laughs) he swallowed my hook. Have you swallowed the hook of the world? What have you swallowed? What has you? you got to release that thing. Get set free from that hook in the name of Jesus. Amen? So God uses the terms adulterers and adulteresses because as a Christian, are you ready for this? We are in covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who don't know what a covenant is, ready for this? Give you a real good example of what a covenant is. Marriage. Marriage is a covenant. And a covenant, by the way, is a two-way street. Meaning this, that both people must hold up their end of the bargain. Both people must, must hold up that promise and commitment on both sides. Not just one. If only one's doing it, it's not working. You're following me, right? When we allow the world to steal our affections, to steal our heart, mind, will, and emotions away from God, we are cheating on Him and breaking our covenant. We are being unfaithful in this covenant. Say covenant. Let's break it down even more. Say break it down, Pastor. All right, let's do that. When a spouse cheats on their marriage partner, they have broken the covenant. Because both people, like I said, they must do their... Now, by the way, okay, listen. If you, if you ever committed adultery in the past, there's no stones. God can forgive you and restore your marriage, okay? So just ease up a little bit here, all right? I'm giving an example. But when a spouse cheats on their marriage partner, they've broken the covenant because both people are expected to maintain purity and integrity of that sacred marriage covenant. You following me? Now, let's let's blow some more minds here. Let's go a little deeper. Say deeper, Pastor. Remember, so God is saying that friendship or affection for this evil world system is violating the covenant. All right? So many think that they have not violated it because, well, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't murder anyone. I didn't do anything that bad, right? But Jesus said this. Are you ready for this? But Jesus said we can violate and we can break our marriage covenant and commit adultery in our heart by our thought life without even doing the physical act. Are you following me? So now God goes beyond just your doing and actions. The New Testament always deals with the heart of an individual. 
Now he takes it from actually committing the physical act, but that you can actually commit it in your thought life now. So that's why the world and the devil are always trying to get a hook on your affections, your soul, mind, will, and emotions. The devil's trying to pull you out of that covenant. So, so Jesus said we can violate it just in our thought life. Why? Because now, here we go, in a marriage covenant, there is a disconnection of the heart or the soul from your spouse now. Are you following me? God is using the words adulterers and adulteresses in terms of this, your heart being disconnected from him and connected to this evil world system that hates him. Amen? And when that disconnection with the covenant with God happens, James 4, 4 said these strong words. You ready for this? It said that, now this is to Christians, not to unbelievers. He's talking about those who are in covenant with him. He says these words, you make yourself an enemy of God. Oh yes, that's to Christians. We can literally place ourselves in a position to be an enemy of God. That's, that blows my mind. That kind of really blows out the, the seeker-sensitive message right there, doesn't it? Go ahead, do whatever you want. Well, my Bible says that we can literally make ourselves an enemy of God as Christians. If things are not going right in your life, check your heart to see if you made yourself an enemy with God. And maybe you've given place to the devil in your life by having a friendship or mutual admiration of the world. Maybe there's too much of the world. And listen to this. Just like when a, sp- a spouse finds out that they've been cheated on, immediately, what happens? All trust goes down the toilet. All respect goes down the toilet. And all honor they once had in their heart goes down the toilet. Are you following me? Anybody breathing in here? And now that person that you thought you once knew, who are you? They're an enemy to you now because the covenant has been broken. Thank God for the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ because I've seen in the natural, obviously many marriages healed and restored. Praise God, right? But now I'm talking about your relationship with the Lord. We don't want to make ourselves an enemy with the Lord. Amen? Amen? Now, so... By the way, let, let's bring it down to another level here in the natural with the marriage thing. Adultery against a spouse that didn't just happen by accident. In other words, someone just don't wake up with someone in bed and be like, how did I get here? Did I get translated? Are you, are you right? Okay. So adultery first started out because they entertained it in their thought life. So when your backsliding didn't just happen, you entertained the hook of the world. You following me? So, and many times in the natural, in a marriage situation, before that other spouse even finds out there was a physical act, what's the first sign? A departure of the heart. They, they lose interest in even wanting to know about the, their, their other spouse. They, they feel that departure of the heart. And God feels that same way with us. When our heart, it doesn't start out with just actions. It starts in the thought life. 
It starts in the thought life, and, and there's that departure from the heart. You think that grieves God a little bit? Amen? So if you lost your desire, if you lost your love and excitement for Jesus, your heart has disconnected from him. So God takes the covenant that we have with him very seriously. Amen? I mean, just like you with your marriages, you take that seriously, right? By the way, we serve a jealous God. One of the songs talked about God. He is a jealous God. Say jealous. Jesus says it's impossible to serve two masters. He said you'll either love one and you'll hate the other. By the way, let me just say this about jealousy. There is a pure, positive jealousy, a righteous jealousy, that desires to preserve and protect the covenant. Every couple in their marriage should have that. In fact, if you, if you see some warning signs and you're not bothered by that, I would say, what's up? Don't you even care? What? Don't you even care about your marriage? That would make you think, well, what are you doing then? <laughs> if you don't care about, right? Come on now. So there's a righteous jealousy. This is, this is what God has. He has a righteous jealousy, right? Just like there's a righteous anger. But then, listen, there is an evil and controlling jealousy that is destructive. The Bible even talks about a spirit or a demon of jealousy, right? Now, that's destructive. If someone can have that, that destru- that'll destroy a marriage. You never try to control someone, number one. Amen? Amen? All right. So go with me to Deuteronomy 5.29. Deuteronomy 5.29. So I, I just want to really get across how serious God takes our covenant with him, right? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Deuteronomy 5.29. I always love this verse. This, is, this reveals the heartbeat of God right here. It says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me or reverence me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. See, here's the deal. Some people say, well, that's Old Testament book, Deuteronomy. That, that is still valid. That is still active. Again, let me tell you something. The only thing in the Old Covenant that God did away with, well, the Old Covenant's done away, but we don't have to go out and slay an animal for a sacrifice to wash our sins away. We are still expected to obey His commands. The Ten Commandments are still active. Hello, somebody. So, so don't, don't throw the whole Old Testament books out. No, no, no. They were written, it says, for our admonition. In other words, so we won't do the dumb things that they did. Can you believe the children of Israel? They got set free from, from the bondage and, and to Pharaoh and Egypt and stuff. And it said they actually wanted to go back to Egypt. That's why we sang that song, Egypt. Wasn't that a powerful song today? That shows you how messed up humans can get in their thought process where you actually want to go back into bondage. Man, what a lie from the pits of hell. Amen? So that is still valid. God still wants our whole heart. He does not want our heart to be divided. Okay, God, you can have my heart for two hours on Sunday, an hour for prayer here. No, he wants your whole heart. Say whole heart. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You getting anything out of this? 
All right, First Peter chapter 5. I think this is a very important message with what we are preparing for, what we're moving into. This is a huge part of the puzzle. Our Heavenly Father is saying, look, examine your hearts. Examine your heart. Where are you at with me? Have, you know, can you get, can you, can you tighten it up a little bit? Come on, right? Can you kind of, can you kind of like tighten the belt a little bit? The belt's a little loose. Your pants are about falling off. Tighten it up with the holiness, people. Amen? First Peter 5, verse 6. And it says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, we must be willing and obedient. Remember, willing deals with our attitude. We must have the right attitude and, and be obedient to humble ourselves. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Real quick, go with me to James 4.10, and then I'm going to explain that. James 4.10, just back a little bit there. And here's another verse about humility. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, I want you to notice that we are to humble ourselves. Have you ever heard a prayer, someone praying, and they said, Lord, uh, make me humble. Make me humble. God's saying, you do it. Humble yourself. He tells us in several areas. We humble ourselves. It's unscriptural to pray for humility. Why? Because we're commanded to do it. And here's why. You ready for this? Because it's an act of discipline and obedience, not a prayer request. Wouldn't that be great if it was? Lord, make me humble. Woo! Yeah, great. I don't have to do anything now, right? You know, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know what the word disciple, the root word of disciple is? Discipline. Say, I need discipline. <laughs> So when the Word of God talks about humility, it's talking about it in terms of your attitude and relationship with God. In other words, humility is recognizing this, that God, He's above you. And He is the Creator, and we are the created ones. Amen? Pride, on the other hand, lifts God up, or um, lifts yourself up above God. Satan, by the way, was kicked out of heaven for pride. All right? So that's why, listen to this. So humility is putting ourselves under him. Pride is trying to lift us above him. That is why the word talks about, when it talks about humility, it refers to us humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Say under. That he may exalt you in due time. In other words, he's the boss, you're not. So part of the humbling process that the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you is this as well, is that He wants us to deal with the secret sins in our life. Say secret sins. The sins that nobody knows about except you and God. He said this, He said, tell them to be open and vulnerable to my Holy Spirit. Guess what? God knows about them. Anyways, how dumb we are trying to keep them, you know, not talking about it. Talk to him about it. You will be surprised when you talk to God about your secret sin. You will be surprised at the grace and the strength to overcome that sin will come. He wants to help us overcome those issues. Amen? 
So talk to him. That's, that's just a one little point he wanted me to throw in there. Uh, but the only way to truly be promoted or exalted in the kingdom of God is to humble ourselves and be willing and obedient to humble ourselves. Amen? So check our attitude. We've got to check our attitude in the process because that's a huge factor. Go with me to John 3.30. I'm getting close to wrapping this thing up. Oh, we're doing great on time. All right, great. Um, <laughs> I, there's a meme on Facebook where someone's sitting by another person in church and, and they're giving them a weird face and it says over the top, it says, when the pastor said he's getting ready to finish and someone says, go ahead, pastor, keep going. <laughs> I love it. All right. John 3, verse 30. <laughs> All right. Look at this. This is a popular verse here, but let's break it down a little bit how the Holy Spirit showed me. John 3, verse 30. He must increase. He is Jesus. Say Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. It's a very small verse, but it's power-packed. Amen? Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. That is the definition of humility right there. It's us decreasing under the mighty hand of God. Amen? Keeping Him above us. I want you to notice it's almost like an equation here. The only way for Jesus to increase and be glorified in our life is for us to decrease. Here's what he wanted to say. Both cannot increase. It's, a, it's an equation. It's in proportion. It's a proportion, right? All you math people know this, right? It's in proportion. You add to one and it takes away from the other. So when Jesus is exalted, we're decreasing ourselves. Amen. Both cannot increase. They're, they're, if there's going to be more of you than Jesus, then that's when back, backsliding occurs. When there's more of you than Jesus, backsliding occurs. Now, here's the last point, and I'm done. All right? Here we go. The last point I want to share is to be willing and obedient to the instructions or promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God gives us commands, Right? The Word of God gives us, I'm going to say this, general guide by, uh, guidelines or instructions to live by. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible gives us those spiritual laws, right? Like I talked about. It reveals how a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ should live in this life. But here's what the Lord wanted me to bring up today. But it's the, your relationship with the Holy Spirit... That gives us specific guidance or instructions within the boundaries of the Word. Now, here's what I want to show you here. Just something to put in your thought life before I let you go. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. The Word of God tells us don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as Christians, right? But the Holy Spirit reveals to each one of us where we're supposed to plug into. What church to attend, what assembly to go to, what meeting to attend. You following me? All right. And then the word of God tells us to give to the kingdom of God and to the poor. But the Holy Spirit leads us who to give to. Are you following me? So the word of God gives us the general instruction, the guidelines here. But the Holy Spirit makes it very specific to us. The Word of God tells us to heal the sick, but the Holy Spirit gives us specific instructions how to minister to each person. 
what avenue of, of, of minister and healing for that individual, right? Well, like, so, you know, if you just take the general instruction, give to the poor, guess what? You're going to be poor. Are you following me? Right? I'm not saying be heartless or anything, but you can't give to everyone. You're going to be poor. You're going to be in that category, <laughs> right? That's why we need, Lord, show me. How, who do you want me to bless? What, what ministries do you want me to give to? What, you, are you following me? That's why our relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit will take you out of your comfort zone. Remember, willing and obedient. Put that smile on your face. Come on, somebody. We should be excited. And we should look forward to the Holy Spirit guiding us into the perfect will of God for our life. Amen? We need to be willing and obedient to the promptings, to the specific directions of the Holy Spirit. And, and the promise is, you will eat the good of the land. You will release a blessing in your life. You will walk in overflow. Amen? So, church, let's constantly, I want you to be constantly monitoring these, these two things in our heart. These have to be monitored constantly. You ready? Here we go. Number one, do I have a willing heart and a proper attitude toward God and what he's asking me to do? That's number one. Do I have a willing heart and the proper attitude? Number two, here it is. Am I currently being obedient to the word of God in general? And am I being obedient to the specific instructions that the Holy Spirit's putting upon my heart? Right? Because I know, I, I just know by the Spirit, I don't know, I'm not saying I know who it is exactly, but I know by the Spirit, there's someone here, the Holy Spirit's telling them to do something, and they're fighting him. Remember, the only way to loose that blessing is to be willing with the right attitude and obedient to the Holy Spirit. So, if the answer is yes to those two things, it is a promise by Almighty God Himself, like I said, that we will eat the good of the land, and be blessed. We're moving forward. Let's stand up, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for your word. Lord, release a spirit of wisdom and revelation upon all of us, Lord God, with that word. Lord, that we would take it a step further, that you would give us more insight, Lord God, even beyond this message. And now maybe there's someone in here Maybe there's someone in here, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, it's too big of a gamble. Yeah, I'll do it later, Pastor James. No, no, no. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath on this earth. If you have never made him Lord of your life after the service, I'm up here, up front, come forward. Nobody's looking to embarrass you. Everyone's going to leave. We'll be here to pray with you. If you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, come on up here and let's just pray. Let's make him Lord of your life today. Let's settle that, that score right there and receive what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen. Over 2,000 years ago, by the way. Now, maybe there's someone in here. You said, you know, Pastor James, you're the one, you're the one that I was talking about today where I've backslidden. 
And frankly, if I died right now, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. Am I saved? Am I not? That's too big of a gamble. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord today, if you feel like you've broken that covenant with, in your relationship with God, come forward and let's pray. Let's settle it today. Let's restore. Come on. Amen. Let's restore. I want to pray with you to restore that covenant in that friendship with God. And, and let's help you take that hook out from the world. Amen. Maybe there's someone here you've, uh, you know, you love the Lord, you're a Christian, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. It's not a living waters thing. This is a Bible thing. It's a second experience after being born again. Amen. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Right? That's what Paul asked some Christians in the book of Acts. So it's a second experience. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to meet me up here. Let's pray. God says to ask him for it. Let's do it. So just meet me up here and I want to pray with you. Maybe there's someone in here you need prayer for a physical healing, emotional healing. You need prayer for a family member, whatever it is. Just come on up here. We're going to be, we'll stay as long as you need. Amen. Praise God. Visitors, thanks so much for coming today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I gave you all something to really meditate on through the week. So Tuesday night, prayer over the phone. Go to livingwaterschapel.org. It has the phone number, 7 p.m. And then 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. prayer on Wednesday night. So if you need me, grab one of my cards. Give me a call. Let's meet. Let's have lunch. All right? All right. I love you all. Thanks so much for coming. Have a great week, everyone.